Hello and welcome back to Off the Deaton Path. I'm Stan Deaton with the Georgia Historical Society. We welcome you to this podcast for December 7th, 2023. We are recording again this week from the field of broken dreams here at the Georgia Historical Society on the 15th floor of the Jefferson House overlooking beautiful Forsyth Park in downtown Savannah. We just did this a couple of weeks ago, folks, uh, broadcasting from the same place, talking about what happened to the Braves season. And this time we're going to recap the college football season. I have to get this out of my system. Those of you who know already know that this past weekend saw the college football season come to an end. It was championship weekend with all the conference championship games that went on including our beloved University of Georgia Bulldogs playing in the SEC championship game against our arch nemesis, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Georgia came in ranked number one, where we've been virtually all season, certainly in the AP poll, but in the college football playoff rankings, we were number one. Bama came in ranked eighth with one loss. That was to Texas earlier this season. They lost by 10 at home to Texas. It was Texas's signature victory. Not an SEC game, of course. Texas will come in from the Big 12 after this season into the SEC next year. But still a big win for Texas. The only blemish on Bama's record. Bama has been perfect in the SEC. So the two teams met in the SEC championship game. And you will recall Georgia has won 29 straight games since these two teams last met in 2021 in the SEC championship game. Bama won that game. Georgia went on to get its revenge in the national championship game, however. Uh, this time it didn't work out so well. Of course, as you know, Georgia lost by three, 27-24. We missed a field goal from 50 yards uh, at one point, other chances. Uh, You probably have seen in the news who made the college football playoffs. For those of you who don't don't follow college football and yet who are somehow still listening to this podcast, and I apologize. Again, this is just one of those things. I just have to get this off off my chest. Um, the top four teams or the, or, or uh, the top teams, the top four teams chosen by the college football playoff committee, which meets in Texas, uh, you know, and, and sends up smoke signals when they figure out who these teams are. They're not necessarily the best four teams. They're not necessarily the four most deserving teams. They're the four teams that the committee somehow ranks as being worthy of being in the college football playoff. Now, next year, the college football playoff expands to 12 teams. Much of what I am going to say will be irrelevant next year. Georgia, ranked number one all season, now has one loss by three points, and they are out of the college football playoff picture. Um, On the one hand, Georgia has no one to blame but themselves. They had it all right in front of them. All they had to do was win that game against Bama. Bama has had, for them, something like a down year. They've won every game except that Texas game, but they have not looked overpowering. Georgia, of course, has not looked overpowering. There have been many moments this year when they did not look like a championship team, didn't look like number one, but somehow they managed to run the table on their schedule and win. And at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. And somehow it is, but in college football, what really matters is if you're going to lose, it matters when you lose. So Georgia lost the last game of the season in the championship game playing the eighth-ranked team in the country. Um, And they're out of the college football playoff picture because this year there were several undefeated teams. Michigan won the Big Ten championship over Iowa. Um, 
Texas beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. Now, Texas also had one loss. Washington beat Oregon last Friday night in the Pac-12 championship. So Michigan and Washington were undefeated through the season. They were definitely in. Now, you probably know the big story this week has been Florida State. The Seminoles went undefeated in the ACC, 13-0, won their conference championship game on Saturday night against Louisville, and yet they got left out of the college football playoff. It's really unfathomable that the committee has done this to them. Georgia, you can understand, because they have a loss. They lost in the championship game. Um, Texas goes in by virtue of having beaten the SEC champions. Uh, bad luck for Georgia that that happened. Florida State, I don't know how they got left out, and I really don't get it, and it's almost a joke, of course, and this has been rehashed on every sports talk show over the past week. I'm really not going to do that again here. My problem with Georgia being left out um, is that there is precedent, of course, for one-loss teams who are ranked number one going into the championship game being left out. It happened to Georgia two years ago. They got beat pretty solidly by Alabama. You will recall 41-24, to 24, they still got picked to go to the playoff. And we won. We won the national championship that year. You will recall. Here, here's the here's the story that really chaps my rear end. It's of course having to do with Bama. You will recall the 2017 season. Georgia went into Auburn uh, at nine and zero on November 11th that season. We went into the Auburn game looking really good, and we got our rear ends handed to us, 40-17 to 17 on the Plains at Auburn that day. We finished out the season with wins over Kentucky and Georgia Tech. So Georgia wins the SEC East and goes to the SEC Championship game. Now, Alabama was undefeated and ranked number one most of that season. They go into the Iron Bowl undefeated. Auburn was ranked sixth. They went in um, – with a couple of losses. So they really, there wasn't much chance that Auburn was going to go into the college football playoff, but they ended up beating Bama in the Iron Bowl that year, 26 to 14. The game was played at Auburn. So Auburn did not even win the SEC West. Auburn won with one loss in the SEC. Their other loss that year was to Clemson, of course, not in the, the SEC. So here's Alabama loses their last game of the season, not by three points, but by 12 points to a six-ranked team, does not even play in the conference championship game. Georgia, in the rematch with Auburn in the SEC championship game, you will remember, ran all over them and won 28-7. And the college football playoff committee picked Alabama by the virtue of them having gone undefeated all season and lost the last game of the season. Georgia just lost their first game of the season in the conference championship game by three points, did not get chosen. Bama in 2017 got chosen, didn't even play in the conference championship game. I'll say it again, lost the last game of the regular season by 12 points. So it's the inconsistency. Uh, you know, if Georgia had lost that first game back in September, as Alabama did, and then had run the table, They'd be in the playoff. It seems to matter in college football when you lose. This is the one thing that always has driven me and a lot of other people crazy about college football. The NCAA just cannot seem to figure out how to crown a college football champion. There's a tournament, of course, in college basketball, March Madness. A lot of people think that undervalues the regular season, but I don't think it does. It adds a lot of excitement, and it crowns a champion. 
we're going to have a tournament next year. Georgia was ranked fifth, so we wouldn't be left out of the playoff next year. And I suspect with a 12-team playoff, we're going to have to slide pretty far in the next couple of years. There will be two lost teams that make the playoff. I suppose next year we'll start arguing about who was number 13 and got left out because, trust me, college football fans will argue about anything and they will argue about who got snubbed at number 13 and who deserved to go in because somebody will go in at number eight or nine that has two losses. Somebody who will be number 13 won't go into the playoff with one loss and it'll be because of when they lost that game or who they lost to or how badly they lost to because this qualitative nonsense seems to matter in college football. Again, Bama lost had had one loss in their season. Georgia had one loss. Georgia lost to Bama head-to-head. Georgia's out of the playoff. Alabama isn't. Texas had one loss. They're in the playoff. Georgia isn't. Again, we had it all in front of us. We just had to beat Bama. But at the end of the day, if this were the NFL, we'd both be in because we have identical records. This ain't the NFL, of course. I get that. Um, and it, as I said, they've made steps to fix this. There sits FSU, perfect season, conference champions, and apparently the college football playoff committee did not choose them because FSU's quarterback got hurt a couple of games ago. They just simply thought that FSU was sort of not playing very well, uh, didn't look all that good or impressive in their win over Florida in the last game of the regular season, didn't look all that impressive offensively in their conference championship game against Louisville. Of course, nevertheless, they won both games. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yes. One of the criteria the college football playoff committee has laid out there is winning your conference championship game. FSU did it. In my opinion, if you're going to leave one team home crying, it should be a team with one loss. If it's up against a, a power five team that does not have any losses, either Alabama or Texas should be sitting at home crying right now. It shouldn't be FSU. Um, and projecting what will happen in the future based upon an injury is ridiculous. Brock Bowers went down earlier this year for Georgia, undoubtedly our best player. Didn't really change our, our playoff uh, trajectory. Uh, I, I think Georgia could have found a way to win without him, just as they did. Look, folks, two years ago, the Braves won the World Series without Ronald Acuna. Now, you would have thought that was impossible. So projecting what may happen, um, good teams find a way to win. So I, you know, there's no getting around the fact that FSU got the shaft this year and they get to play. Their con their consolation in all of this is Georgia and Florida State get to meet in what is essentially a meaningless Orange Bowl game on Saturday, December 30th at 4 p.m. Georgia fans will watch. But already uh, we see players dropping out because they're entering the transfer portal. That is, they'll be leaving their current school, university, team to go somewhere else for reasons only they know. I, I can't, as a longtime college football fan, I cannot figure out this transfer portal. I'm sure some of it has to do with name, image, likeness, money. I'm sure some of it has to do with following a coach or an offensive coordinator or whoever who goes somewhere else and you want to go play for you're on if you're a backup, you're you're just uh, we know Brock Vandegrift, one of Georgia's backup quarterbacks, is leaving after three seasons of backing up both uh, Stetson Bennett and Carson Beck. He wants to go somewhere else, presumably to play. Uh, I understand that. I get it. But uh, every player, I guess, in college football could go somewhere else. So George is going to lose players to the transfer portal between now and December 30th. Undoubtedly, there will be some players who just choose not to play because they don't want to get hurt. I suspect Brock Bowers may be one of those. Now, he hasn't said for sure that he's not coming back next year, and I'm holding out hope. I know a lot of Georgia fans aren't that he will want to play four years of college football. Does he have anything to prove? No, but 
college football has got to be fun for these guys. They can make a lot of money now. I heard uh, a sports talk show recently that laid out how much money Carson Beck is making this year in name, image, likeness. And it's far more than he would be likely to make as a probably, you know, fifth or sixth round draft pick in the NFL. That's probably true of a lot of players. It's certainly not true of Brock Bowers. He will be a very high draft pick in the first round, one of the top five picks, and stands to make a lot of money. That's presuming he doesn't want to come back and play a fourth year. Don't know what Ladd McConkey will do. Both of those guys were injured in the conference championship game, and they may just sit out the bowl game. There may be all kinds of people who sit out, don't play, because they're going into the NFL. We could lose half of our defense. So, you know, bowl games were originally set up as exhibition games, and the only ones that count now are the two college football playoff bowl games. The NCAA did that to themselves when they set up the playoff. Next year, it will be even worse. Um, so the only two games that really matter now are, of course, the Rose Bowl, which will be played on New Year's Day at 5 o'clock. Uh, number one, Michigan will play Alabama. Michigan's 13-0, Bama's 12-1. That's going to be a terrific game. Uh, and then that evening in the Sugar Bowl, Number two, Washington will play number three, Texas. Again, Texas 12 and one, Washington 13 and 0. Um, those will be two great games. There will be lots of games on paper that look really interesting in the bowl games. The problem is half of the teams that were won't have the players they had throughout the 2023 college football season, either because of the transfer portal or because they're just sitting out because they don't want to damage their NFL draft stock or they just don't want to get hurt in a meaningless game. It's one thing to be playing for a national championship. It's another to be playing because you want to be the champion of the, oh, I don't know, pick it, um, the Relia Quest Bowl, which is played also on New Year's Day or the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl or the VRBO Festival Bowl or, or any of the other completely ridiculous, the famous Toastery Bowl, which will be played on Monday, December 18th between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. This is the other thing about the bowl season is most of these games wouldn't draw your attention during the regular season at all. They're not marquee matchups. South Florida is playing Syracuse in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. You probably wouldn't watch two six and six teams play each other. But it's the only game on Thursday, December 21st, so you might. Our rivals, Georgia Tech, also a 6-16, six and 16, will be playing Central Florida in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl on Friday, December 22nd at 6.30. And it's the only game that day. So diehard college football fans will be tuning in for all of these. I mean, it is a feast in terms of that. But the matchups themselves are not a whole lot to write home about. There are a few good games uh, that look at least interesting, but we know, for instance, Caleb Williams, who was last year's Heisman Trophy winner, will not be playing in um, Southern Cal's bowl game, which is the direct TV holiday bowl uh, against Louisville, 15th ranked Louisville on Wednesday, December 27th. Williams is not playing in that game. So you'll be seeing a backup for USC that undoubtedly who won't be their quarterback next year because, uh, Lincoln Riley, their coach, is going to pluck somebody out of the transfer portal, and it may be Oklahoma's quarterback who transferred from Central Florida last year. So all of these things uh, play into – to make the college football season, I mean the bowl season, very, very strange. You don't see this in March Madness. You don't see guys opting out. If you get into the tournament, man, they play because everybody seemingly has a chance to win. So – on the one hand, it's really good, I think, that college football is going to expand the playoffs next year to 12 teams. As I said, we're going to argue about who number 13 is because somebody's going to get left out that feels deserving. And it would if you decided to take the top 18 teams, we'd argue about number 19. It's just going to happen. 
The good news is, is the kind of travesties I think we've seen this year. You know, Ohio State has been left out with one loss. Georgia's been left out with one loss. To say it all over again, Florida State with no losses has been left out. All those teams are going to go in next year. They'll be in the playoff. That'll be good for a couple of reasons. I think it'll keep players playing who might opt out or transfer or whatever. Um, might not. I don't know. But um, what we'll be arguing about then will be the top four teams will get a bye. They'll sit out the first round. Georgia, incidentally, ranked sixth, I think, would end up playing uh, Ole Miss again. We beat them pretty handily back in November. We'd play them in the first round of the playoff, I guess, in Athens. I don't really know. Don't really know if these games are going to be played at neutral sites or or if they're not. And, of course, they're all about money. This isn't just about satisfying college football fans. This is about the tremendous amount of money that college football is going to make by expanding the playoff. Nevertheless, um, Georgia had a great season. Um, they're really, you know, I, I've talked with several people about this. What makes it so disappointing to lose and be left out and not be playing for a national championship is, I think, of course, like all teams think this, you think this about your team always. I think that if we had gotten into the playoff and had a month to get everybody healthy, we could have beaten any of those teams. Washington, Texas, Michigan, or Bama again. Just as we did two years ago, I think if we played Bama again, we'd have their number. We'll never know. Um, but also, I think if, you know Georgia overachieved this year in the sense that I just never thought they were as good as they were the last two years, and I don't think they were, but somehow they still found a way to win all of their games. And if they had just lost one along the way, or two or three, we would have said, great. You know, somehow if we figured out to get into the SC how to get into the SEC championship game with a couple of losses, it wouldn't have been that difficult to take. But when it counted, they really put it together. And they seemed to be getting better as the season went along. You know, with their wins over Missouri and Mississippi and Tennessee, all ranked teams, really the heart of their schedule came late in the season. And they really proved themselves um, that they could win. They struggled early against Auburn, but, you know, and so did Bama. Bama should have gotten beat by Auburn. We all know what happened. Um, we all saw, you know, if you watch the Iron Bowl this year, you you know what a travesty that was. On fourth and 32, Bama threw a touchdown in the back of the end zone and seriously repaid Auburn for the kick six from 2013 or whenever that was. Uh, paid them back in interest, broke their hearts. But at the same time, Bama should have lost that game. This is really, you know, the reason <laughs> the reason that FSU is not in the playoff is because Auburn didn't find a way to keep. That would have been Bama's second loss of the season. No two-loss team has ever made the four-team playoff. So that would have kept Bama out. Uh, they found a way to win. They seem to be having a magical season as they did. You will recall in 2017, I was telling the story of that season, Georgia got into the playoff for the first time. We played Oklahoma in one of the most memorable Rose Bowl games ever. We won in double overtime, 54-48. Went on to play Alabama in the national championship game. Took them into overtime and lost 26-23. to uh, in, a, in a kind of fashion that Bama also beat uh, Auburn last month. So um, a dominating performance to take nothing away from them. And, you know, I mean, I've got a healthy respect for all these college football teams. Uh, winning a championship isn't easy. Georgia fans know that. We went 41 years in between national championships and have had the great good luck to win two in a row. So we know what it's like to sit on top of the mountain. We know how difficult it is. Uh, I heard Stephen A. Smith 
course, the guy on ESPN who has his own podcast, he said the reason Florida State didn't get in is because of TCU. Now, what did he mean by that? Last year, you'll recall TCU as Big 12 champions crashed the college football playoff party and they ended up beating Michigan. And everybody was just, whoa, they were on the bandwagon. Look at TCU, man, they're great. And in that national championship game against Georgia, I think the final was 66 to 7. It was something ridiculous. They were embarrassed. And according to Stephen A., Florida State was playing not very well. And they didn't want to put a team in that was going to wind up getting thrashed by somebody else. Now, I don't think that's really true. But at the same time, he's certainly right in that college football, the NCAA does not want a national championship game that's decided by 60 points again. You remember two years ago, the Bama-Georgia game came down to the last couple of minutes. It was a real thriller, certainly for Georgia fans who won. But last year's game was a stinker. The real thriller last year was the Heart Attack Bowl in which Georgia played Ohio State on New Year's Eve in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Uh, and Georgia won because Ohio State missed a field goal in the final second. That was a thriller. And that, quite frankly, was the real national championship game. I think Ohio State would have destroyed TCU as well. So here we are, folks. Georgia had a great season, but like the Atlanta Braves, we came up short. Um, the season's not a failure. It's just, to me, it's a failure of the fact that there are only four teams that are chosen quite subjectively. College football, it's all about when you lose. You know, in the NFL, as I was going to say earlier, if you lose in September, it doesn't matter. If you lose in December, it doesn't matter. What matters is your record. Are you good enough to get into the playoff or are you not? They don't sit around in a smoke-filled room and go, well, the Steelers lost by 10 to the Browns, but only by three to the Raiders, and they lost in December and didn't lose in I mean, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when you lose, but somehow in college football, it matters that you lose early and that you have a chance to rebuild your season, and two losses in college football sinks you. Guess what, folks? Not losing at all in college football can sink you. Ask a Florida State fan or losing the, the uh, SEC championship game by three points. Uh, can sink you. Now, the SEC championship game is, of course, going to be played differently next year. We uh, know that the SEC went into divisions many years ago, 30 years ago when they started this. There's an East and West. Georgia has been in the East all these years and played Tennessee, Florida, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri when they came in. Um, there's not going to be any divisions anymore. Everybody's just going to play everybody every couple of years in the top two teams. So the top two teams could be LSU and Georgia. They could be uh, Auburn and Alabama. The same is going to be true in the Big Ten. They're getting rid of their divisions. So this year, this is one other point I wanted to make, by the way. Well, I'll finish one point before I make another. So next year, um, the top two teams in the Big Ten will, are, are, of course, going to be Ohio State and Michigan. There's not going to be any more of this crap where Iowa – wins one division as they did this year, ranked number 16, by the way, when they go into the conference championship game against Michigan, which ranked number two, Michigan destroyed them, shut them out. Ridiculous. Something like 44 to nothing. Ridiculous score. I probably had that wrong. Ridiculous score. Um, next year, the top two teams will also play in the conference championship game. So get this. We are likely to see Michigan play Ohio State in the game the last weekend of November. The very next week, they'll be playing in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game, a rematch one week later. And who knows? You might see them play a third time in the college football playoff once it expands to 12 teams. 
This is, of course, provided that both of these teams stay on the kind of championship trajectories that they have been on. Um, and and I'm sure that they will. Uh, by the way, it was 20. It was not 44 to nothing. It was 26 to nothing. But Michigan, and this is the point I was going to make earlier. The SEC championship game almost always has two teams that are probably in the top five. Bama was ranked eighth this year, but that was only because they always had to rank Texas ahead of Alabama because Texas beat Bama head-to-head, and Texas didn't lose another game. Uh, they only lost one game, but they beat Bama. So they always kept Texas right ahead of Alabama. Alabama probably would have been ranked fifth otherwise. There they were, ranked eighth. So that's who Georgia had to get by. <laughs> Texas, in the Big 12 championship game, played the 18th-ranked team, Oklahoma State, Beat them by 28 points, 49-21. Michigan had to play the 16th ranked team in the Big Ten Championship. Iowa beat them 26 to nothing, and Florida State played the 14th ranked team. I would love for the Bulldogs to have played somebody ranked 14th, 16th, or 18th in the SEC Championship game. Chances are they would have beaten them pretty badly. So, in my opinion, Florida State, Michigan, Texas all had much easier paths, and they did what they were supposed to do. Again, Georgia had it all in front of them. They should have won the game if they wanted to be in the playoff. We wouldn't be having any of this discussion. Alabama would be out of the playoff because they'd have two losses. Instead, Alabama, in my opinion, is poised to win yet another national championship because I think they're probably going to beat Michigan. I think they will probably beat either Texas in a rematch or Washington, because I think Nick Saban is that good. That quarterback they have is that good. Um, he is like Tua. Uh, he's like Jalen Hurts. I think he follows in that tradition. And uh, Bama is a formidable football team. They always have been. And as long as Nick Saban is there, I think they will. By the way, my prediction, when Nick Saban decides, whenever that is, 400 years from now to step down, I think Alabama's next head football coach is going to be Dabo Swinney who, of course, coaches at Clemson. And I understand. I actually talked with Coach Dooley about this one time, and he, he said, no, I, I think you're wrong. I think, you know, he's going to stay at Clemson. He's built something there. He's a he's an Alabama grad. He was on the national championship team in the 90s. I think it was 93. That was coached by Gene Stallings. He was born in Alabama. He went there. He's a Bama guy. And I think when and if he's still coaching and that job comes open, I think he's the next head coach at Alabama. We will see. So we can look forward to all of the realignment that will go on in college football next year. The Pac-12 is no more. There are two teams left, Oregon State and Washington State. All the other teams, California, I think, went to the ACC. I think Stanford is going into the ACC. Uh, the rest of those Pac-12 teams are going into the Big Ten, believe it or not. Oregon, Washington, um, UCLA, USC, uh, I'm not sure what Utah is doing. They may also be going somewhere, but um, the Pac-12 is no more. The Big Ten is going to look very different. As I mentioned, they're not going to have divisions. The top two teams will play in their conference championship game. The SEC is going to welcome Oklahoma and Texas to powerhouse teams. Uh, into the SEC, we're not going to have divisions. The two best teams, whoever they are and however that's decided, will play in the SEC championship game next year. And there will be a 12-team playoff. My guess is that the, the Big Ten and the SEC will probably put at least half, if not three-quarters of those teams into a 12-team playoff. We've got two superpower conferences, and then there's everybody else. 
So, once again, a great season in college football. We're disappointed. We'll come back next year. Kirby Smart will, as always, continue to be a good recruiter. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And as a sports fan, you know, I wish I didn't care so much about all of this, but I do, just like I care about the baseball season. So we'll finish out the, the bowl season. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how the teams play out in the four-team playoff, and then we'll move on next year. Because if you're a college football fan, there's always next year. Go dogs. The hardest working producer and engineer in show business, the czar of our Tallahassee office, as well as the captain of the GHS running of the reindeer team is our very own Brendan Cannonball Crellin. Our director of communications and the GHS ambassador from Long Island One Man Damn Yankees fan club is Keith Pinstripe Stragero. The GHS empress of the historical marker, don't call them monuments division, is at least 135 words butler. The captain of the GHS Italian wine tasting team is Rebecca Beerstein Bratina. Our GHS director of bean counting is Greg Decimal Point Durkin, assisted by our accounts payable administrator, Amelda Checks. The director of the GHS Civil War Beard Division is Nate Brickwall Jackson Peterson. Our off the eaten path fact checker is Ella Fino. The GHS Holiday Wardrobe Consultant is Don Weenow. Our director of employee loyalty is Upton Leftus. The off the eaten path moving van driver is Carrie DeSopa. Our staff layoff specialist is Harry Verdurci, assisted by layoff counselor Oscar LaVista. Our off the eaten path HR director is Stella Payne Diaz. The GHS Russian intern this year is Igor Beaver. The off the eaten path Elvis impersonator is Amal Shookup. Our staff director of Three Stooges Studies is Lee Iapoka. Dr. Todd Gross's personal eBay specialist is Selma Junkoff. And our off the eaten path martini mixer is Olive Twist. You can find our podcast anywhere you can find podcasts. There's no hiding from this. You can find out everything about the Georgia Historical Society at georgiahistory.com. It's an all-new website, folks. Check it out. And the Georgia History Festival at georgiahistoryfestival.org. Be sure and like Off at Eaton Path on Facebook as well. Share and like. Please also visit eatonpath.georgiahistory.com and check out Dispatches from Off the Eaton Path, my blog, and similar missed field goal podcasts like this one. Stay safe, stay strong. I'm Stan Deaton with the Georgia Historical Society. As always, thank you for listening.